Territory Talk, the official podcast of the Florida Panthers. Essex sends it straight ahead. Barkov has room, cruises in Barkov, makes it over, he scores! Here are your hosts, Jamison Olive and Doug Plagans. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the fourth edition of Territory Talk, the official podcast of the Florida Panthers. Doug Plagans here with you on the road in Toronto. Jameson Olive, lead writer of FloridaPanthers.com. He's back in sunrise as we bring you another entertaining episode of Territory Talk. Again, the official podcast of the Florida Panthers. Thanks for checking it out. Still brand new, but we're continuing to grow it. And uh, as this episode goes along, we will hear from the Hall of Famer, Denny Potvin, part of the great team on Fox Sports Florida. We'll talk to him about all kinds of things, getting to the uh, conversation that uh, I was able to have with him. So we'll hear from Dennis Potvin, the Hall of Famer, coming up in just a little bit. But, Jameson, great to be back on the show. I know we had some uh, technical problems with the connection last week. But uh, today, here we are, ready to roll. And again, this comes at a big time with this playoff race coming down to the wire. How are you today? Oh, I'm doing good. Uh, you're missing Disney on ice here. It's a good day over here. And uh, like, like you said, good to have you back. I mean, we, we somehow managed to get through the show last time, but with heavy hearts. So it's great to have you back. Well, it's great to uh, be back. And again, the games continue to get so, uh, I mean, they've been important games for this whole second half of the season, but each passing game gets to be so big now here this time of the year. And this Panthers team playing its best hockey of the season. They continue to just keep doing what they've been doing. 26-1 and since the All-Star break, Jameson. Most wins in the National Hockey League during that span. And I think if you look up and down the lineup right now, the contributions from everywhere are uh, really what stands out. I mean, the goaltending's been fantastic. The special teams have been able to answer the bell when needed. And then you're getting the uh, production up and down the lineup. I think when you look at the win in Ottawa uh, last week, uh, that's one that kind of stands out. The Panthers had a a runaway win in that one. Seven goals on the board, seven different guys scored. And I think that's a, a big thing you're seeing right now is you're having a lot of different guys step up, and that's what you need this time of the year. Yeah, the most impressive thing, like you said, 26-1. and one. At the time of this taping, that is the most wins in the NHL since the All-Star break. And to me, the most impressive thing is that at this point, you can't call this a fluke. You can't fluke your way to 26-1. and one. This, is, this is the Panthers playing well. This is the Panthers buying into Bob Bootner's system. This is, the, this is the result of all the hardship that they went through at the beginning of the season. And what stands out to me, once again, the most impressive thing is they're not doing this through some one random person having a career year. This isn't like the Senators a couple of years ago when Andrew Hammond, the Hamburglar, you know, won them a bunch of games and got him to the playoffs. I mean, no one's playing out of their minds. The guys like Vincent Trocek, Alexander Barkov, even the goaltending, everyone is just playing how you'd expect them to play and kind of already on that trajectory they're already on. So none of this is is, is crazy out of hand, and it not only bodes well for this season, the playoff run, but for next season and beyond. I mean, to see what the Panthers are building right now, I mean, the rest of the NHL should be on notice. You hit it You hit it on the head right there. A lot of these guys, they are what they are. They continue to develop. And when I say they are what they are, it's that they're great hockey players. I mean, you look at uh, just uh, the, the work that uh, a guy like Vincent Trocek did against the uh, Coyotes that game not long ago back at home, scoring a couple of goals there after he had a big hit in that one, kind of ignite, ignited the team, uh, ignited that comeback, scored a couple of goals, and was able to uh, help the Panthers come back in that one and get the uh, big win. But like you said, this is these are the uh, this this is what you expect here from this group, and this is just a, it's a good hockey team, plain and simple. That's what it is here, and uh, it's a group that's going to continue to evolve, continue to develop, and and this is just the 
a tip of the iceberg for this group. You have a lot of guys who are going to be a part of this core for a long time, and you have uh, a team that's going to be a, a contender and, uh, and a, a very good team for many years to come. So I think we're seeing that right now, Jameson. We're seeing the uh, really everything coming together. And that's the thing, like, like you were saying, too. At this point, I think, obviously, the race is really tight. The Panthers right now one point out with two, with two games in, uh, with one game at hand on the New Jersey Devils. They're uh, six points back of both Philadelphia and Columbus with three games at hand on those teams at the time we're doing this taping. So they have their sights set on the Devils, obviously, in that last spot. But anything could happen. And at this point, I think it would almost be a disservice to the NHL for the Panthers not to make the playoffs. With how well they've been playing, with how hot they've been playing, with all the talented young stars on this team, I think it would be so great for the league itself just to get this team out there into the public mindset, in, into, pub, into the public view, into a playoff series against whoever it may be, because there's so many players on this team that deserve to be on that national level, in that spotlight. Like you said, Vincent Trocek, Alexander Barkov, Aaron Ekblad, all, everyone, right? even James Reimer, Roberto Luongo, all the guys. So at this point, I think this story a lot of people are catching on to, but I still don't think it's enough. I think this should be an even bigger story than it is, and it's, if, they're gonna, if they don't catch on this season, they'll catch on next season and in the future, because the, the Panthers are going to be one of the top teams in the league, I think, and this isn't just coming from a, from a a team employer, say to Homerism, just based on looking at the talent and looking at what they have and looking at the guys coming up in the pipeline, uh, Henrik Borsham, who we're going to get to in a little bit. I mean, this is a team that's built to last. No question about it. No question about it. This is a team that's going to be in the picture for uh, for a long time here. And uh, and again, you, you look at this second half of the season, this is what this Panthers team is. It's just plain and simple, a good hockey team full of uh, good hockey players. And you, you said it right there. And I know, and, and you know, I know I, I follow this team uh, every single day, obviously, and, and it's just a very likable team, great guys, great hockey players, and, and you see it all the time, James. And this is, this is an entertaining hockey team. And, uh, and, you know, Bob Bugner's come in, he's done a heck of a job, but the system he's put in, not only is it getting the job done, it's fun to watch. And this team is doing uh, just doing great things here in the second half. You're putting together a heck of a run, and I, I, I like you, um, this one, uh, this team looks like it's destined to be a playoff team. And, you know, the big question is, is it going to be the Devils that uh, fall out, Columbus, Philadelphia? I think right now you just have to focus on on the Devils because they're the closest team to it. Columbus has gone on a heck of a run. Philadelphia, they've been streaky. They have a little bit of a cushion, though. But I think you look at this uh, at this race. Right now, you just have to look at it as a race between the Panthers and the New Jersey Devils. And the Panthers, they've uh, they've been playing so well down the stretch here, and they don't look like they're showing any signs of slowing down. you got to think that uh, that they have uh, what it takes here to, to pass New Jersey. Yeah, and before we get to the Hall of Famer, Denny Poffin, and his invaluable insights on this whole run and everything, um, I, I think it's worth saying, you talked a lot about fun, and a lot a lot of people don't know from the outside looking in. I'm sure if you read our articles, if you watch our videos, you get some kind of inkling. But this team, just they all have so much fun. And all these guys like each other so much. I mean, I did an article on Keith Yandel a couple days ago about just kind of how he's the guy in the room that kind of always is cracking jokes, jokes and keeping the mood light and how important that is. But every guy on this team likes each other. I mean, if you look, follow them on Instagram or things like that, it's never just guys on their own. These are guys that are always in packs, guys that are always together. Whether it's a young guy, whether it's an old guy, thankfully, it's, it's, as, as a whole, it's a very young team. But all these guys just love being together, love being teammates, and love hanging out together, and it shows, I mean, especially on the defense. I mean, you and I both know, looking in the back corner of the locker room, those guys are always having a good time, always hanging late after practice or morning skates just to sit there and chat and goof around, and obviously everyone everyone in the locker room worshipping Alexander Barkov, and Alexander Barkov just cracking jokes, a lot of dry humor from him that people don't know about, so that, that's another amazing thing to me, and I think that really does trans, transfer over to the ice, is how much these guys do like each other. I think that does kind of help, and in some ways, kind of help this team get wins down the road. 
a fun team, a confident team, a team that looks like it's destined for uh, for the playoffs. And it would be a great thing to see this team get into that playoff picture, certainly playing well enough to uh, do so. And a big reason this team is so confident and uh, has been so confident uh, as this run has gone along is the work of the goaltending. And, uh, of course, would like to say congratulations to Roberto Luongo. He's uh, gotten a, a, He's been nominated for the uh, Masterton as uh, that award goes annually to the player who shows uh, great perseverance, dedication, and sportsmanship. And those qualities certainly uh, are, are qualities that Roberto Luongo possesses. Yeah, like, like we, we talked about at the beginning of the season, obviously he's nominated for this award after coming back from off-season hip surgery, which he said there was a little bit of time there where he thought, you know, hey, at 30 years old, maybe it's time to hang him up with a surgery like this. But he fought back, he came back, he worked harder than anyone that I think I know of, at least that I've been around this team. I talked to goaltending coach Rob Tallis, and he, he kind of took me through the workouts and how much work Roberto Luongo put in and how intense it is. And it's really just amazing to hear. So congrats for him. I mean, we've already talked about his season as a whole and a comeback and how key he's been for this push. So for him to gonna get recognized without a award, just great. You see him, uh, you know, if you watch if you watch hockey on TV, you know Roberto Luongo's a, a great player. But when you see him go about his business every day, his preparation, the way he takes care of himself, you see everything like that. You see why Roberto Luongo is an elite player here at uh, at this stage of his career. And uh, again, just uh, just uh, a great guy. And with James Reimer, they formed, formed a, a heck of a tandem back there uh, in between the pipes for the Panthers. And look at what James Reimer's done lately. He's won his last five starts with a 970 save percentage over that span at the time of this taping. So uh, between Luongo and James Reimer, this is uh, you know a, a great situation for a team heading down the stretch to have two guys play in that way. I, it's a, it's an abundance of riches for Bob Boonder. It seems like whoever he puts out there, and the players say it too, they don't care who's out there. They're both the same guys. Because we've seen in the past on some Panthers teams and any team in general in the league, sometimes there's, when a backup gets in, you play a little different. There's not as much trust there. But with both of these guys, I know the defense especially has such trust in both guys. So the Panthers don't uh, miss a beat or skip a beat no matter who's in the lineup. So once again, that's just another thing working in the Panthers' favor down the stretch. And uh, and now we'll move in, Jamison, to the conversation with uh, Dennis Pavin, part of the Panthers, Fox Sports, Florida broadcast team and, uh, and a Hall of Famer. And and uh, again, just a, an all around great guy, just a joy to talk to him. So, again, uh, had a lot of fun chat with Denny Pavin. We covered all kinds of things from the current Panthers team, his transition into uh, into broadcasting, what he likes to do away from uh, away from the arena. So covered all kinds of things. And again, big thanks to Denny Pavin. Here is. Uh, the conversation conversation with Dennis Poppin. We started it off by talking about this Panthers team on the run they've been on here in the second half of the year. And a big thanks to this week's guest on the official podcast of the Panthers Territory Talk. Doug Plagans here with the Hall of Fame analyst from Fox Sports Florida's Panthers telecast, Dennis Poppin. Dennis, thanks very much for stopping by and being here with us today. Great pleasure, Doug. Anytime. And it's an on-the-road edition. We're here in Toronto, here in uh, here in a hotel lobby as we record the uh, the fourth episode of Territory Talk here today. And, and the Panthers here looking down the stretch, having played some of their best hockey of the season here lately. What's impressed you most with this team here in the second half? 
half of the campaign. You know, one of the things I like a lot about what I do as an analyst in hockey is watching the young players develop. And I think when you look at, you know, the young players uh, like Eggblad and Barkov and Huberto, we watched them for a couple of years. Uh, the difference Mulligan has made in the second half of the season. You know, the emergence of Matheson. I mean, those things are really what brings me back year after year to want to broadcast because I get I get real joy and satisfaction out of watching kids develop. And consequently, this hockey team developing at a great rate. And you look at some of these young guys, and I'd imagine a, a big part of what you're talking about is the, the fact that these guys have risen to the occasion with the games being so big in the second half and the margin for error being so slim, but you see some of these big individual performances from guys like Barkov, Trocek, Matheson on a big stage in big moments where, you know, like I said, the games mean so much. Yeah, the maturity was not there a couple of years ago. And so what you're finding now and what you're referring to are several of the games we've seen this year where Barkov has taken a team on his back where Trocek has taken a team on his back as he's done recently uh, where the team has really come out after the second period and become a different team become a better team knowing that maybe they didn't perform well early it's always difficult you know to play that 60 minutes, you know, that everybody talks about. Having been there myself for a long time, it's almost an impossibility to be totally consistent. Hockey is a game of of errors, and what you try and do is limit them, and you package them, and you put them in a compartment, and it's the same with your emotion. So I think this season, when we're talking about the Florida Panthers, I just see the maturing of the players as a team and individually. And you've obviously had a a lifetime in the game, seen the game from a, a lot of different perspectives here, but you talk about some of your favorite aspects of being a broadcaster in the game and working day-to-day, following a team through the the course of a season. Just going back, uh, what was the the transition like for you to to move on to the broadcasting side of things? Well, it didn't happen automatically. Uh, When I finished playing hockey, I had already been working uh, in Wall Street and in finance for about four summers, and you know, my life was going to go in that direction. That's really what I wanted to do, and I've always been interested uh, in that part of the world and, and the life and I still am very much you know as an investor and I study the the markets and whatnot but you know I did go for about four years five years and I worked hard at it and then I started missing hockey again well during those four years I was still working at Hofstra University on Saturday night with Sports Channel and a fellow named Lee Zeidman and we would uh, analyze all the games that Sports Channel was broadcasting on a Saturday night. So that meant I was in at about 4 in the afternoon, didn't leave till about 2 a.m. because we had the West Coast games. And I really enjoyed being on the desk. And you know what? I, th- I never thought I'd enjoy this, but once I got out of hockey into finance and then back into hockey, I started realizing I really like the research. You know, I like to know the why answer. And uh, from there, I became a Panther broadcaster in 1993, and here I am still, and still loving it. And, and so many, so many things to to talk about just from from that point right there. But obviously, watching the the game from a, from a broadcasting side of things, I'd imagine a, a totally different uh, perspective, different lens to look through than when you're actually playing the game. Well, there's no question about it. I mean, you know, you're thinking a lot about your own game. It's more of a an individual thing, and I think over time, and when I did become 
become captain, all of a sudden it became more of a, a team thing. And you're thinking more globally, you know, in terms of your team, the teammates. You get involved sometimes with, you know, situations that happen off ice. And if you can help as a captain, you know, and slash a mature hockey player, uh, it's always helpful because at the end of the day, we're all trying to get the same W. Uh, we need the win. We want the win. And we know that winning uh, makes a lot of things go right in sports. And so those rewards are innumerable. Uh, so that's where the difference is. And now I have a lot of the same competitive feelings because I'm not only my broadcaster, but I'm a regional broadcaster for the Florida Panthers. So I can't help myself but, you know, make comments even on the air and kind of rooting for them. And I think people hear that and some people think one way and other people love it. But it's me coming out with my emotions. And that's one of the great things that about this game and why I'm still like in my 26th year of broadcasting, it's still emotions. When the lights go on, uh, I can just hear the, the skates, you know, crushing against the ice. I mean, it's a great feeling. That's why I'm still here. And you were part of some of the best teams to ever take yeah. the ice. But off the ice now, uh, on the broadcasting side, part of a team every night. To, you know, you, Steve Goldstein, Randy Moeller, and, and then the whole behind-the-scenes crew. You guys have a, an outstanding crew that you get to work with each and every night. Uh, and I see you guys go through your meetings every game day morning. And, and uh, you know, just to, in terms of the, the whole broadcast television broadcast experience that people see on TV. This is something that you guys are working on all day long, and there's a whole group of you guys on camera and back there in the truck getting it done. Well, first of all, it's a 15-hour day. Now, you know, you can argue that people work five days a week and it's at nine to five. I did that as well, and I loved it for a time. But the, the, the requirement for bringing a broadcast on air so that, you know, our fans can turn on the television, they see us, they can get informed, they can understand what the goals are for the home team. They can understand a little bit of what the challenges are brought by the visiting team. Those are the things that we want to do, and it doesn't happen just off the cuff. Uh, recognizing when a player is playing with injury, when a goaltender is playing superbly and why. And I've always loved to talk about the why. You know, why did that goal get scored? Why did this particular play happen? But we have a crew of 25 people that bring the game to television. So just to let people know, as you're intonating, it doesn't just happen showing up at 7 o'clock, dropping the puck, and then we go home after the game. We have the post-game show. Oftentimes, we'll have a meeting, as you know, on the road for the following day's game. So things are constant in the game of hockey. We go from September, you know, hopefully till June with the Florida Panthers. That would be the Stanley Cup in mid-June. But, you know, we go with the same aspirations, and the work that we understand is required to bring a good product to television and the love of the game is what fuels all that uh, whether it was during your playing career or now being around it uh, off the ice well for me there's nothing uh, there's never been anything better I you know I had uh, played baseball I was 18 years old and you know there was a time that the uh, the Expos came to see my dad and they asked my dad uh, and again you know I was 18 years old and they said Mr. Potvin do you think that we would be wasting a draft pick uh, if we chose your son and he said yeah 
yes, I think you would. And so I was going to be committed to hockey from that point on and, of course, ended up being drafted. But, you know, that that's kind of how, you know, the, the game has been in my blood and hockey in particular since I was very, very young. And I got a, a couple things I want to go to uh, off of that. But baseball, what position were you? And, and uh, it sounds like you were, you were quite a ball player then. Well, you know, in those days, you, I was a big kid, too. One of the great things about, you know, what happened for me, uh, it was sort of a God-given gift. I mean, I was 145 pounds at 10 years old, you know, so I was bigger than most kids, which was an asset. So, yes, I was pitching. Uh, third base was one of my favorite spots, but I did like being a catcher. It just seemed like that was where you control the game. And uh, so I played in that position a long time, but basically I was third base and catcher. So, the, uh, obviously, the catcher, the kind of the leader on the field yeah. in a way, you see the whole game, and, and that's yeah. what you're doing right now is you're seeing the whole game. And, and and as a hockey defenseman, it's the same thing. Right. You know, when you put yourself in the position of the catcher, I mean, Johnny Bench would see everybody in front of him, and that's the reality. As a defenseman, when you learn how to play at a very, very high level, you always remember my first job is to defend. In that case, the only guy behind me should be my own goaltender. So you have the view of everything. And then you can do whatever you can from there. You can slide in the high slot. You can be offensive in terms of being a defenseman in the offensive zone. So there's a lot of different categories that a defenseman can be labeled at. But I wanted to be part of everything. So I was an offensive defenseman and I tried to play physical defensively. But for me, it was the blend. That was my challenge. And and uh, that's what I worked on my whole hockey career as a player. And I know love for the game of hockey, but off the ice, you love to have the line in the water, trying to reel in the big one. You know, I was always kind of a, uh, you know, a, a curious sort. And when I first got to New York, I mean, the interesting thing was I, somebody said, look, we got a room for you in New York. I was coming in as the first pick overall in 1973, and there was a group from the NHL that used to be called the NHL Enterprises. So they had the marketing uh, side of all of the NHL. So one of the big sponsors was Coca-Cola. So they asked me if I would come down to New York and do a commercial with Coca-Cola, and I thought... Why? Why not? This would be great. So I'm 19 years old. I leave home in Ottawa and uh, get to New York. And uh, I tell the uh, the driver, I said, where are we going? He says, oh, we're going to the Plaza Hotel. And I said, where's that? And, of course, didn't have any idea that it was right there in the middle of Manhattan, right next to Central Park. And it was my introduction to New York. Couldn't have been better. So I always loved being in New York. So when I wasn't on the ice, I was always in uh, Manhattan, Long Island. I would love uh, to see the museums at MoMA, the Museum of Natural History. I got introduced to Broadway with friends of ours. Um, but the idea is that, you know, I grew up with a fly rod in my hand. So now I said, I'm in New York, what do I do? And little did I know, Long Island is a haven for fishing. You could fish trout in some clear, clear streams, or you can go offshore and fish in the ocean. And so uh, it was sort of an ideal spot for me. What's the, the, the best catch you've had down in Florida? I know you, you go quite a bit. And I know in the in the off seasons as well, you always take a, a big fishing trip with family. Yeah. Well, you know, I was, uh, yeah, I mean, it varies, obviously. Uh, I was a big salmon fisherman growing up and trout. So when I, uh, when I was salmon fishing, someone who I was fishing with said, look, you know, and this is back in the mid to late 80s, I was still playing. He said, look, when you're finished, we should go down to Florida and we should fish these tarpon. 
And I said, tarpon, what's that? So I went to Florida and I started fishing in uh, in this tournament called the Red Bone. And it was a, a tournament where a lot of celebrities were fishing for a good cause. It was a charity. And we started fishing redfish, bonefish, hence the Red Bone tournament, and tarpon. And I'm a fly fisherman. Well, it was like heaven. And then I ended up moving to Florida, of course, in 93. So I just kept that up and certainly introduced the Bahamas to my little adventures. And I do that every year. And uh, and obviously, family big part of uh, of your life. And over the last few years, your family's grown a little bit. Oh my! You know the wonderful thing about raising a family is that first of all, you're sort of a rookie every year. You know, every time your child turns you know three, and then they get turned to be four, and also they're nine years old. Uh, things are different as a parent, and we love that challenge. My wife Valerie and I have been together for 36 years, and uh, loved every minute of it, raising the kids, and we have so many rewards from having a great family, two daughters, Madeline the oldest, Annabelle, both married with children, and Christian is 26, and uh, just a loving boy. And so now we're starting to count the grandchildren. It's a whole new phase in our life and a great one. I mean, my wife is over the top. She wants to move next door to my daughters so she can be ready to babysit. I don't think the daughters want us right there, but we're not far away. And uh, and now just to just tying it back into the uh, the play on the ice here and the game's getting so big for this Florida Panthers team down the stretch. Uh, as a guy who's been through some of the the real battles on the ice where the games mean a ton and you've you've seen what it takes to to get to the end there. What is the the biggest thing? This, this Panthers team, even though they played some of their best hockey of the season here lately, it's the biggest thing to focus on as you go day by day here with these games meaning more and more right in the thick of this playoff chase. I think the Florida Panthers have proven lately that every night there is going to be a hero. And that's why they pass that ball around, you know, to the start of the game, something they do privately in the dressing room. And they should do it. Recognize the guy who maybe put out the biggest effort. It's not always the guy who scores the most. And the players can determine who was the guy most responsible for our victory. I love that. And I think that the, uh, the, the Florida Panthers have come to a point now where it's not the same leader. I was captain of the Islanders through four Stanley Cup championships for about 10 years. And I'm the first one to say, look, I had the captain, but I was not the only leader in the dressing room. So the more of the players take on a responsibility, whether it's Trocek, whether it's Eggblad, whether it's Matheson, you know, or Barkoff, obviously, or Huberto, it doesn't matter. The fact is, some guys are not going to have a great night on certain nights. That's where the other leaders have got to pick it up. And we're seeing it now with contributions from veteran leaders, you know, like McKenzie. I love McKenzie's play. And then, of course, Yandel having a great year personally, but also an established leader for the young team that's growing up. Dennis Bobbin, our guest here on the fourth episode of Territory Talk. Thanks very much for, for being here with us today. And, and we could uh, we could have sat and talked yes. for, uh, for another hour, so we might have to do another episode someday. <laughs> Anytime you want. I'll be happy to work with you, Doug. Thanks very much. Yes. So big thanks to Dennis Pobbin for joining us there. Uh, again, great to have him here on Territory Talk. And uh, again, we could probably chat for uh, we could have talked for another hour or two there. So I'd imagine uh, at some point in the future down the road, because remember, this is going to be weekly during the season and uh, every other week during the off season. I'm sure we'll get a chance to uh, catch up with Denny again at some point. But just great to uh, great to talk to him. And I'm sure we'll have another episode with uh, with Dennis Pop and down the road. So big thanks to him for joining the 
the show. We talked a little bit about this Panthers team down the stretch run and uh, and what it's going to take. And a guy who could be a part of the uh, stretch run here, Henrik Borgstrom. He's agreed to terms on an entry-level contract with the Panthers. First-round pick a couple of years back. And uh, this is a guy, Jamison, he played at Denver in the NCAA the last couple of years. And, uh, and I had a chance to see him play a game in person this season. And he's one of those guys, truly, that when he is on the ice, whether he has the puck or not, you get the feeling that a scoring chance could happen at any moment. The skill that he has is just electrifying. Plus, he's six feet, three inches tall. He's, uh, he's big. He's skilled. Uh, he's just, uh, you know, he's got the, the full package. And, uh, and as far as being offensively gifted, I think that's an understatement to say that Henrik Borgstrom is offensively gifted. He, uh, they call him the artist for, uh, for a reason. Some of the things he's able to do, just go look at the, the highlights on YouTube. But, uh, but Henrik Borgstrom, another guy who figures to be a piece of this Panthers team for, uh, for many years to come. Yeah, that's the thing, Doug. I mean, you don't get the nickname the artist if you're a bottom li- a fourth-line grinder or if you're a stay-at-home defenseman. That's a nickname you get if you're an artist with the puck, if you can do the things that he can, if you can make the dangles, make the dekes, score on all the crazy wrist shots that he does. So this kid, let's not forget, I mean, the expectations are obviously high, but he's still a 20-year-old rookie coming in, hasn't played in the NHL yet. Uh, he's, you know, he's used to the college game. It's a different game than the pros. So as big as the hype is, expectations should always be tempered. But if, even saying that, I mean, I got to admit, I'm I'm excited. This is a kid I've been waiting for ever since they drafted him in 2016 in the first round. And I'm not going to lie. I mean, it caught me off guard when I drafted him, you know, in the late in the first round because he was pretty far down on the boards for a couple teams. But then just to see the strides he, he's made at Denver, to see him the past two years at D-Camp has been incredible. And the thing people need to know about Henrik Borsham is obviously we have a guy like Alexander Barkov, who's obviously one of the be- top two-way players in the league, one of the best fins in the league. But he's a quiet guy. He's an unselfish guy. Whereas Borsham, I'm not going to say he's the complete opposite, but this kid kid's got swagger. This kid's got style. This kid is just, he just loves to play hockey. Like you said, go and watch the goals, but then keep watching to see the celebrations because this guy just loves to celebrate. He cherishes every moment. And I'm just really excited to see him. And I spent some time talking about him earlier this season too with uh, Evan uh, Cowley, his former teammate at Denver, who currently is in the Panther system, a, a young goaltender. And uh, he said, you know, this is a guy that's going to put butts in seats. This is a guy that not only do fans enjoy, but we as teammates enjoyed watching him. I mean, this kid puts on a show and for that show to be coming to South Florida right now, now, with only a few games less in that season and this playoff push is intense as it is right now, I think that's just incredible. This should be a huge shot in the arm for the Panthers. And to come over to North America, I mean, his introduction to playing hockey in North America was these last two years at Denver. And to come in with the confidence that he brought in and uh, and to come in with that swagger. And I'll tell you, we, we had a chance to, to go out there and there was a, a video that uh, we did for FloridaPanthers.com. Panthers web producer Dave Courtney and I had a chance to catch up with, uh, with Henrik Borgstrom back in Denver uh, on an off day, the day after the Panthers played the Avalanche earlier in the season. And just to, to chat with him, to chat with his uh, – with his coach Jim Montgomery there at Denver, this is uh, this is a kid just just has a great personality. And again, the fans in uh, in South Florida and, and fans of the National Hockey League across North America and the world are just going to really enjoy getting to get to know this guy and get to see him play and get to, to hear from him because, again, his personality is just outstanding and uh, what he can do on the ice with the puck is just out of this world. So, uh, again, I, I know this is a guy who was just signed, but uh, but he's a guy that the sky really is the limit 
for Henrik Borgström. And, and he can play in the middle. He can play on the wing. This is a guy who uh, who could fill uh, any number of, uh, of different spots in a lineup. So, again, certainly a guy who figures to help the Panthers for, uh, for a long time to come. And that's the thing, too. We talked about him when he got drafted as being kind of an unknown commodity. But in the two years at Denver, he's suddenly a very known commodity. I mean, this is a guy that if you read the articles around the league, if you read the prospect reports, he's been kind of touted as one of the most NHL-ready prospects this whole season. And it shows. I mean, he obviously won the national championship there as a freshman. He he wasn't a passenger on that team. He was a big contributor. He won the uh, National Collegiate Hockey Conference Player or Rookie of the Year that year. Then he follows it up this season, sets a new career high in points, wins Player of the Year in the NCHC. So, I mean, he's just building on everything he's done since he's got here. He hasn't taken a step back. And to watch him kind of take that step now onto the ice and try and continue this should be incredible. And uh, like you said, I'm just happy to have him around. This is a guy I love talking to. This is a guy who's laid back. He makes jokes. He's funny. This is a guy that uh, not only are we going to love on the ice, we're going to love him off the ice. It's, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun to continue watching this Panthers team down the stretch here. And, and again, last thing, we, we can't, uh, can't stress it enough. What this team's been able to do here this second half of the season, this is who the Panthers are. And, uh, and it's a, a team that has really banded together. Uh, everything's really clicked for this team. Uh, you know, there, there really are no, uh, no holes in the game for this Panthers team heading down the stretch. And, and uh, it's just been a lot of fun to watch. And, uh, and they're well-deserving of uh, of a playoff spot here moving forward. So Panthers will try and run that down. But, uh, but Jameson, hey, another episode of Territory Talk in the books here. And, uh, and again, great to catch up with you today. We, we were in different places, different countries, for that matter. I'm here. We're, 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 cro- we're crossing the border right now. It's pretty amazing. And like you said, the season's coming down to the wire. You're on the road right now, but you're coming home soon. Four more games at home. I mean, it just, if I want, say I'm a fan, I want to come to the game. Doug, how am I getting there with those four games left? Well, with the uh, big homestand coming up, of course, the Panthers will play Carolina on Monday at 7.30, Nashville on Tuesday at 7.30. Uh, they also have a game against Boston coming up, and then you have that game on the 7th of April, Saturday night, against the uh, Buffalo Sabres to round out the home portion of the schedule. 954-835-PUCK-FloridaPanthers.com for tickets, and also you can call 954-835-PUCK, go to FloridaPanthers.com, find some other packages that work for you, whether it's groups, whether you're looking for season tickets for next season. All that uh, can be taken care of. All those questions can be answered by calling 954-835-PUCK by going to FloridaPanthers.com. So a lot of different ways to uh, get your Panthers tickets and a lot of different ways to watch this team, of course, on the radio network, on Fox Sports Florida here the rest of the way at the BB&T Center. We'd love to have you on board. Again, thanks for checking out Territory Talk, the official podcast of the Florida Panthers. You can follow Jamison and I on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at Doug Plagans. Jamison is on Twitter at Jamison Coop, and we're always open to suggestions for future podcasts, so don't hesitate to send those our way. And you can also subscribe and review. We like those reviews. Review the podcast on iTunes, on SoundCloud, on Google Play. And uh, again, if you like the show, feel free to leave a review on any of the platforms. And folks, this has been Territory Talk for Jamison All, the lead writer at FloridaPanthers.com. I am Doug Plagans. We will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to Territory Talk, the official podcast of the Florida Panthers. For all your Panthers news and information, follow FLA Panthers on Twitter.